This is Suzanne York with Humans Optimized. We specialize in change management for technology adoption by bringing together advancements in technology with elevated human skills. Our aim is to cultivate human-to-human and human-to-technology collaboration. This combination will allow us to take advantage of the immense opportunities in the future of work. Death by meetings. It seems to have become the corporate way of life. We go from one discussion to the next, chasing the elusive idea of alignment and hoping for clarity on the plan. Meetings are seen as a critical form of communication, and yet we're hard-pressed to say they're actually working. What if we could meet less and communicate more? Sound like a dream? Here to explore the possibilities of a meet-less lifestyle is Josh Little, founder of four tech companies, including his latest venture, Volley. Josh, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you, Suzanne. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because I would love a meatless culture. Even in our Zoom world, I am meeting all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Wouldn't we all? In fact, just since social distancing began this year, the time spent in meetings has increased by 13%. And that's on top of an 8 to 10% increase for the last 20 years. So we're all feeling it. And, you know, Zoom fatigue is no knock on Zoom. It, Zoom just happens to be the scapegoat. But yeah, it's a... yeah. It's an epidemic. Well, and if it hadn't been for Zoom, I don't know what we would be doing. So I certainly have a lot of gratitude for the platform, that's for sure. For sure. Well, so it is an interesting conundrum. We're meeting constantly, but are we actually communicating well? Well, the reality is we need to talk to move work forward. Uh, We really only have two options when it comes to communication at work. We can either type in things like emails, text messages, or Slack messages, or we can talk. And when you cross that threshold, when the content, uh, the thing that you need to discuss, just when written communication is inadequate, um, you have just a couple of options of either setting up a meeting or jumping on a Zoom or jumping on a phone call. And while all of those are great and give the full context, speed, and richness that talking can deliver, they're also very interruptive because you have to schedule a time to do these things. You have to stop what you're doing and get in the place that you need to be and wait for others to arrive and meandering of the conversation and people that don't need to be there and all of those inefficiencies. So either way you go, typing, uh, which is inefficient because it's slow, you can speak seven, eight times faster than you can type, or talking, um, we're kind of just picking our poison either way. But the reality is we, we need to talk to move work forward. We need to, as you said in the intro, get alignment. And um, th- that's what we're working on with Volley is to create a way to talk without interrupting by using asynchronous video. Mm, okay. Tell me more. I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> well, w- what does that mean, right? Uh, so yeah. a- asynchronous video conversations. So are just the same as any other conversation like this one. We take turns, um, except with Volley, you record your turn with video. And this allows us to have productive conversations that don't interrupt each other's productivity. It's kind of the the richness of talk meets the flexibility of, of text, kind of the best of both worlds. We like to think that we're 
architecting this space between Slack and Zoom, um, we're feeling Zoom fatigue because we're pulling Zoom to do things that we used to do ad hoc in the office, in the hallway, or running into someone, but we don't have those interactions now. So we need to sort of force them to be facilitated on Zoom because we still need to talk. And we're also stretching written communication, Slack and emails too far. And so we're, we're positioning Volley kind of in between those platforms, probably uh, solving more problems, um, sorry, solving more use cases for Zoom than for Slack, um, just because we aim to reduce the number of meetings and in- increase productivity. Well, where I do think it solves something that Slack doesn't is the the cues we get from one another when we can see facial expressions. And so that with Slack, the written word, and any any written word, email, text, there's so much room for misinterpretation as well. And so I love the idea of these video messaging, giving me a little more context so that I have a better sense of where the person is coming from than just the words and my inability to interpret them the right way. You're totally right. I mean, we're using... Slack, for example, because it's super convenient, there's very low friction. Um, but what we don't necessarily understand the trade-offs of using that, especially for anything that's other than like quick information updates or confirmations, uh, because you know social scientists don't agree, but they agree that somewhere between 90, 70 to 93% of communication is delivered through tone of voice, which we're getting here. Um, and body language. In fact, 55% of communication is body language, those small gestures, the way that you're looking when you say something, whether you're looking, gazing off, uh, you know, all of those little cues that we as humans have become expert at picking up. We're just missing those those cues in that context in, um, in any written communication. So, when we choose to write, we're choosing to not only do something that we're seven to eight times slower at doing. And when I when I say write, I don't mean literally typing because people can type faster than they can actually compose an email or a, right. a Slack message because that takes, you know, the, the brain power of actually putting the right words in the right way. Um, but uh, we're not only choosing to do something the seven to eight times slower, we're also choosing something that limits the the, the pipeline of communication by, you know, 10x almost because uh, because because of what text can deliver versus what a full spectrum vo- voice and video can deliver. Yeah, and before and this is a, something where we're using what we have, and so we don't. There's not necessarily a problem with it. It's just there's new and different possibilities which you're introducing, and I think it's amazing. The, you're right. Yeah, yeah. T- I'm sorry to interrupt there. No, technology <laughs> technology should make us better at the thing that we're trying to do. And uh, by technology coming in and forcing me to not type everything to my coworkers, that's not making me better. That's making me worse in a number of ways. Or making me have to jump on a Zoom call, which even though is synchronous, it kind of isn't. And there's the delay and reaction and the technical difficulties and the things that just enough friction to make it not feel natural, not feel like we're really in in the same room and really taking turns and sharing airtime equitably. Um, And so we, we believe that technology should make you better. It should give you superpowers. In fact, it should make you better than you actually are naturally. And that's the beauty of asynchronous video conversations is um, you get a handful of superpowers that you didn't have before. One would be, 
um, you can speed the conversation up. You can listen to others on 2X. Now, who wouldn't want to listen to a <laughs> stand-up meeting or any other discussion to be able to listen on 2X or to skip the parts that don't pertain to them, right? That's ultimate yeah. efficiency if you can just speed up the world around you. It also gives you the superpower of being able to stop the conversation and think. Uh, because you don't yes. have to respond immediately. And research shows that anytime you can wait th- just three seconds before you respond, your res- the quality of response dramatically improves. So by allowing some time to think, we can increase the quality of response. We can increase the precision and communication. And not only that, we can also help you be more inclusive. Group conversations are naturally exclusive, especially as you add numbers of people to them, it becomes more and more like two or three people talking and an audience watching or listening. But when you don't have that time box and the physical constraint, it allows you to, it allows anyone the free opportunity to hit the record button. Um, so, so we like to think we're equalizing uh, airtime in conversations and allowing conversations to be more inclusive naturally. So just a handful of the superpowers I think we can deliver with technology that we we don't currently have. But you're totally right. We're just using the tools that we have. We're just stretching them to do things that they're yeah. not good at doing. Right. Well, and that's a remarkable idea in what comes up for me about being more inclusive in the conversation and giving yourself three seconds to think. Three seconds is not that long, but when you're Face to face with someone, three seconds is an inter- eternity. You're totally I, right. Yeah, and I think about the non-traditional leadership types that they're maybe less assertive, and so not necessarily going to respond as quickly as some other types. They want to take a minute. They value giving you a well thought out response, and this gives them that that opportunity without the judgment of why aren't they speaking up faster or the risk of someone jumping in before they can get their well formed thought out. Yes, I've totally geeked out on the <laughs> dynamics of group conversation uh, since we've started building Volley, and it's just been fascinating. I never knew this, and I don't know if we want to get this geeky, but um, it, The Atlantic wrote this awesome article about how there is a 200 millisecond gap between turns in conversation that transcends all languages, all cultures. We all feel this rhythm of conversation, and 200 milliseconds is the magic gap in between your turn and my turn. And if we wait just, and that's, you know, one fifth of a second, if we wait 600 milliseconds, which is uh, three fifths of a second, still less than a second, it's considered an awkwardly long pause. And we, we don't want to give those cues to our partner in conversation, right? So waiting three seconds, you're, you're totally right, is an eternity to wait in conversation. And you just wouldn't do it. It would feel unnatural and you would have to have a lot of body language to show that you're, you know, looking off and thinking and scratching your chin and, or, or, or doing whatever to give you that three seconds to think. Um, And it just kind of comes naturally in an asynchronous video conversation. Well, I'm so glad we geeked out on that because I'm going to go find that article. It makes so much sense to me. And the fact that it also um, transcends culture and we think about how global we are now, this really does allow people who whose language, common language is not the first for each other to to take what they need to come back with a better, richer, more accurate, more intentional conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And if I can 
step one more, take one more step into geekiness. There is something else that I think that could be valuable. Um, I've found that the research shows that as you move from a one-on-one conversation, which feels naturally natural, it's actually something you can train a computer to do um, into a conversation with two, three, four, six, eight people, the dynamics change completely and it becomes so complex that it's sort of mind boggling. And they call this the mini minds problem. Um, But for example, in a conversation with four people, two of them do 62% of the talking. We think we share airtime equitably, but we don't. But then when the conversation moves to six people, only three of them do 70% of the talking. And then as the conversation moves to eight, the same three do still 70% of the talking. So that's why I say as as the conversation shifts to one to many people, We've all been in meetings where we've felt on the outside of a conversation and like we're kind of watching. This is why, you know, I forget the stat, but some like 72% of people multitask in meetings, some crazy right. stat like that, right? Because because yeah. we're not really in the conversation. We're just there to kind of watch the conversation. We don't state these things Um you know, consciously that, oh, hey, uh, Phil, you're here to watch and Jen, you're here to talk. But uh, but this just kind of happens in, in the dynamics of group conversation, which is something I think we can sort of break up. We can we can allow this to be more equitable. We can allow the, the folks who don't feel like they're listened to or have an opportunity to interject because of, you know, non-traditional leadership styles, that, as you mentioned, uh, we give them a, a chance to be heard. Right. The other element that is intriguing to me is this idea that syncing up calendars is so hard. And it was really hard earlier in the pandemic when there was a lot of plate spinning. We had people at home with kids and my kid's schedule was different than someone else's kid's schedule. So to find that 30 minute slot on the calendar that was um, shared was next to impossible. And and I believe as we come out of this, people need to and want to continue to have flexibility in when they work and where they work. And so this, to me, opens up a world of possibilities to allow for a team to work in whatever timeframes match the individual needs. For sure. The future of work is only going to be more flexible, more dynamic, more remote, um, pandemic or not. Right. Yeah. This is just where the future of work needs to be. We we haven't, I don't think we've fully even embraced what the potential of work could be in the future. That It's been kind of fun as we're building Volley to start to think about some of those things. But you mentioned just the synchronicity that in getting on each other's calendar being difficult. And that's something... Um, even we as the, the founders and creators of Volley have had to like slowly adopt. And, and I'm doing a lot of recruiting now for engineers. And, uh, you know, we'll start the conversation in LinkedIn or on text or an email. And, and then inevitably, it makes sense to just, well, we should talk on Volley. And, um, you know, if, if I don't interject that, they're thinking, well, uh, let's schedule a time to talk. And I'm like, no, that's the beauty of Volley. We can talk right now why why are we waiting till thursday at 3 30 to talk we can we can start the conversation now all conversations should be started asynchronously any brainstorming conversation any big decision any big meeting 
why wouldn't you start asynchronously to allow people to sort of start to wrap their minds around a brainstorm, for example, and bounce around some good ideas? And then when you get together synchronously, it's just kind of deciding which is the best idea. Um, that, that's the beauty is we move, conversations move in and out of synchronicity naturally, and we, we hope to model that. Yes, and I like the idea of it being a progression. You start in writing and, you know, tossing it back and forth over email or Slack, and then you move to the asynchronous communication, like you mentioned, and then finally get to the in-person. And and having multiple channels it does really give us a chance to, to flex and to, to elevate our communication. So... We have done a, a great job of painting the possibility and creating the excitement. Can we learn more about how does Volley do this? Like, what does it actually look like for people to engage in a conversation through Volley? Yeah, so I'll do my best to explain that um, on a podcast, which is audio right. only. Um, <laughs> but Volley is an app that's both on your phone and desktop that allows you to communicate in conversations, which are threaded conversations or you know think of them kind of like slack channels they're they're kind of permanent or temporary boxes for you to have these conversations with your team or colleagues or customers so you can have conversations with um you can start conversations with your team invite your team that can see each other we're familiar with that convention from slack uh, but you can also send a link uh, to talk just like zoom um to anyone in your network that you would want to start a conversation with. Um, you could even start an open conversation that anyone could join that you put on LinkedIn um, about a certain topic for a certain time. Um, and then when people come in, they can view the volleys, which are which can be either video, text, audio, an image, or, vi- um, uh, or an uploaded video, soon to be docs and other things. Uh, so they can see the volleys in the timeline, see how others have reacted, and then record a volley for themselves. And what I've been amazed at um, in this, you know, using other asynchronous video communication tools over the last couple of years is the conversations I'm having in these tools are just as good if not better than the live synchronous conversations we're having because of many of, because those superpowers that uh, I, I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And have, have the number of meetings that you have gone down? It's insane. We, we meet once a week now. <laughs> you know, I came I'm going to be through, jealous. Tell me more. <laughs> I came up through corporate and Fortune 500 companies, and you know, it was sort of a badge of pride at a couple of those companies to lean over and say, "Oh, I'm back to back all day." You know, it's a yep. it's a it's a lamentation, but it's also like a, a self gratifying comment. Like, look how important I am. But that's right? just a horrible thing to be proud of, right? Why why would <laughs> Want to do that? You're suggesting you don't have real work to do yourself. Um, it, your work is only talking, um, which may or may not be necessary, right? Right, especially if you're one of the people that are not contributing to an eight-person meeting dominated by three. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, and I'd love to find out your, the inspiration behind this. So I know you've had a couple of other ventures as well. What's your why behind this, or what brought you to do this? Well, there's a there's a couple of them. Um, one, I've been thinking about this problem for over a decade now. Um, my first two companies were um, sort of around trying to figure out getting how to get the right 
information to the right people at the right time at work. Um, I've created a company called Maestro, which was focused on training and e-learning, and another one called Bloomfire, which is now one of the premier knowledge management platforms out there, kind of organizing your collecting your organization's brain and and putting it into a box that's tangible. Um, So with both of those, I've been thinking about this. um, And as I mentioned, I've kind of fallen in love with using asynchronous communication from tools like Loom and Vidyard and Marco Polo and Voxer, all of which are great tools. But um, it was probably COVID and the, the, quick transition to remote that brought the focus I think that was needed to take this love of this type of communication and realize, Oh, we need this at work and this is how Mm -hmm. it should be. And in fact, I, I, launched a couple of prototypes out to my network and had a little video and had people fill out a survey. And one of them was kind of sales focused and, and, and I got some okay response from that. Um, you know, people are like, yeah, I think I could use that. And I'd be willing to try it, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, really hard hitting response, but it was when I started to realize, oh, this is for meetings this is a replacement for meetings. We, we need wow. to talk to move work forward. Conversation is the heart of all important business communication, training, sales, uh, you know, meetings, calls, all of it is a form of conversation. And this is a, a much more efficient way to have a conversation. So it's when I started to put that prototype out and to my network that I got just a resounding yes. In fact, 97% of the people that filled out that survey, survey, why did I, why did I just uh, enunciate the they in survey? <laughs> survey, <laughs> um, or emphasize rather, uh, 97% of those people said, yes, we need this. Many of them were like, build this now. We need this today. So I sense the urgency. That's why we got to work right away, pulled the founding team together and started building back in May. And um, we should be, we should have something to market uh, before the end of the year. Oh, that's an amazing. When you think about that timeline, that's, that's accelerated and for good reason. You have the sense of urgency around the, the possibility or the problem you can solve. And to see that market pull what I'll be excited to see is when you put this in people's hands, the fact that they're they're going to say, "Don't take it away," and that will really amplify the you know the market fit. That's what I hope. And we were talking a little bit about uh, product market fit before the call. What yeah. we're sure we have is product promise fit. Uh, people mm. want to take the medicine. We have hundreds of companies on the wait list. We're bringing them in slowly, a cohort at a time, uh, just to make sure that we've got the product right. And it's adding value. And we have just kind of insane time and app numbers, insane retention numbers, weekly, monthly active users. It's all the right things that we're wanting to see, but we're still kind of gated behind test flight and we, we're not cross-platform yet. So we don't feel like we can really judge or test product market fit. But what you're saying, if we see what you're saying, that that don't take this away from my hands sort of um, behavior, that would be wonderful. We, We would love to see that. Right. And the, and the, to your point, the adoption of it will come when you can get in, out to more people. And what I would be fascinating to see is starting small. How do you get people to use it for one type of use case and then get them to expand from there? So sort of that micro experience. 
Um, and then I think that they're the ones who will then say, well, if I can use it here, I'm going to use it here, here, and here. Yes. So. That's, that's what we're on the pursuit to find right now is what is the jumping off point for volley? What is the thing that I replace um, with volley? And, you know, it's easy to start to think of, oh my gosh, you can use volley with your accountant, your attorney, you can use volley right. with your customers. <laughs> oh, with your spouse. Oh, when you, right. you, your kids, yeah. education, we could do all of these things with this great way to communicate. Right. But that's not the problem that we're trying to solve. We're trying to make work move forward faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so w- we've started to get our hands around things. Like if you're a tech team, standups make sense. If your medical team huddles make sense. Any right. of these these short transactional type of inter, information exchange meetings could easily happen. Any weekly update sort of meetings could easily happen yes. asynchronously. Yes. If you took away the weekly status reports that I either need to do in writing or in person synchronously, I mean, that would that would just free free me up mentally as well as literally. So yes, solve for solve my status reports, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my co-founder and I have over the last couple of well, couple of days, I guess, have started to try to think about maybe maybe our headline on our website should be something like start with a volley because we, we want we want conversation should be started with a volley before you go synchronous, you know, when it, whenever you get the urge to schedule a meeting or jump on a zoom or jump on a call, start with a volley and just see if that can solve the problem um, or that can give you the communication that you need, because that will allow you to, to do this asynchronously and not have to put something on the, the calendar, so to speak. So we're just starting to play with that idea, but we think there's some merit to, you know, when written communication is inadequate, start with a volley. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to find out where this goes. And I hope we get a chance to to hook back up and have another conversation where we can geek out and find out more about the data behind it and the, and the user adoption of it. Um, so my hope is we can chat again. And in the meantime, how can people find out more or can they reach out to you or what's the best way to? to sure. Connect? Yeah, you can go to our website, volleyapp.com, and uh, jump on the wait list there. Uh, you'll soon be able to download it. Uh, or you can hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn slash in slash little Josh. Fantastic. Well, Josh, thank you for your time, your excitement, all your information and your passion around the work that you're doing. You bet. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode. For more information and to contact us, visit www.humansoptimized.com.